Some say it's a symptom of manliness, others a cause, the mustache. of LCMSU, everyone. I'm your host, the Chancellor. Yeah, baby. Pastor. I'm on Jack's Jungle Mountain, too. Marcus Zill. Inconceivable. Hi. Once again, everyone, we are back in the Student Union with President Terry Forkey of the Montana District. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing great. Happy to be with you again. Yes, two weeks in a row with a district president in the student union. That is absolutely fantabulous. Now you are, where Where exactly is the district office? Where, where do you live in Montana? I live in uh, Billings. That's the southeast part of the state. Um, that's where the district office is. So... But, you know, Montana's a small state, right? So it doesn't take very, it's pretty easy to get around? Well, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> not the way it is. Yeah, there are a lot of miles involved in my job. I, I spend a lot of time in the car, a lot of time driving. Um, what do you do while you're driving? Do you do listen to a lot of podcasts and different things that you download? Have you figured out how to do all that kind of crazy stuff? You know, I don't really I do that. I, I I probably shouldn't give a shout out, but I listen to great courses or I listen to the scriptures. Oh, so. wow. well, you know, I often uh, I enjoy the time in the vehicle. You get as much as anyone. I I mean, last week on the we had for all our listeners that weren't on last week. If you want to hear last week, we had President Forky on talking about uh, under the theme of uh, uh, the name of Jesus, uh, based in Acts. Three and four, salvation being found in no other name and the power that is in Christ's name um, in terms of uh, the comfort that it is for us and the power and the strength in terms of our witnessing um, in the public square or anywhere, really. And uh, so we talked about you drive 100 miles one way to go to your uh, to your to the congregation that you help out with as a pastor. That's just, that's just normal standard fare out in Montana, isn't it? That's pretty normal. Yeah, any pastor who would have been able to serve that call would have to drive about that far. It's a pretty isolated congregation. Well, and uh, I always always tell the story about uh, one of your prede- predecessors as a DP, uh, Pastor uh, George Wollenberg, um, used to always tell the story about how he used to, back in the days of reasonable and prudent, some of our listeners right remember that I was in the Montana district, during those days, and I remember, I, I always hated that. I don't know how you felt, but it was, it was, it was became so subjective. And and Dr. Wallenberg used to talk about how it was so great back in the old days. He would just put a stack of five or ten dollar bills um, because it didn't go on your record, if I recall. And and uh, you just had a fine, and you could find, and you could pay it on the spot. And if he ran into a state trooper heading in one direction, crisscrossing the state, he might give him twice the amount just so he didn't have to stop him on the way back. But uh, um, if you had a lot of uh, run, I suppose uh, uh, you put quite the miles on. I suppose you see these troopers all the time, right? Yeah, I, I, perhaps I'm 
reasonable and prudent, so I, I, have, I haven't had been pulled over. But, uh, well, you are the ex- you are the epitome of reasonable and yeah. prudent. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so last week we talked. We we're you know here in the, the season of Easter, we're hot and heavy into the season of Easter. Here we talked about uh, um, Acts three and four, and you know some of the things in Acts. We we you know Acts is a great thing to talk about in the season of Easter. In fact, many of the the texts in the three year series the the first lessons as opposed to the epistles are from the book of Acts. Um, but you have, you know, a lot of people wouldn't think that you'd have many opportunities, maybe in your position as a, as a district president, but in terms of being out in Montana, or like I was for many years in Wyoming too, a uh, red state of red states, uh, you wouldn't think all these issues related to uh, being in the public square would be maybe as necessary, but you, you have quite a few opportunities to do this, don't you? Yet, uh, as a matter of fact, I understand people might think of Montana as being sort of far-right, conservative state, but uh, there are many opportunities uh, to speak uh, the truth of God's Word in the public square. When I speak about public square, I'm talking, um, for example, uh, at city council meetings, state legislatures, um, letters to the editor on the television. Sure. Uh, yeah. So there are plenty of opportunities to speak, and and uh, the kind of three areas that I have invested quite a bit of time in doing that are, are on the areas of life, marriage, and religious freedom. Sure. And uh, so do you end up getting to the state capitol now and then? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Montana State Legislature has a 90-day legislative session every other year, and so this is our year. So... So far, it just has worked out with my schedule. I've been up there to testify six times on various various bills that are before the legislature. And how many days are left, roughly? Uh, there are only 20-some days left. So we're, <laughs> the Great Falls, things are tightening up. Uh, it's in Helena, right? Helena's the state capital? Helena's the state capital. And how about far four is that from away. Billings? That's yeah, about four hours away from here. So An eight-hour round trip. Yeah, that's yeah. People, as you know, people, you go back east or even the Mid- they have no Midwest, they have no concept. This people do this, you know, they travel to, to to play sporting events or getting a good steak or going to to Walmart, right? I mean, that's that's just life in the West. Yeah, a, a four hour drive, a two hour meeting, and a four hour drive is not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh you know, and sometimes, you know, um, sometimes, you know, thinking of current events, really, you know, that judge down in one of our LCMS members, not not in your district, but down in uh, in Wyoming, she wasn't even, Judge Neely uh, wasn't even trying to speak. Many of, I'm sure that on KFUO, they've had um, many, many opportunities to talk about this with their various programming. Um, she wasn't even trying to... Um, to uh, speak in the public square to her faith, but she was kind of confronted with it anyway. So it kind of just, it's, it, it, we can't escape this, can we? No, um, but one of my points is to be intentional and to, to take that step out of the, our comfort zones to be willing to be in the public square, uh, square is very important for us. So just to kind of double down from our last week's conversation, uh, the, the Spirit of God is working in us to speak and to live the name of Jesus, sometimes even if we don't know it. 
But there are plenty of opportunities to be bold about that uh, in the public square and to try and defend some of the the ways of life that we find uh, to be truths or truths that we find in the Scripture. Well, I imagine you, you have a you you've, you told me you have kind of a long list of uh, kind of lessons that you've learned from the School of Hard Knocks doing this kind of thing. So why don't you share some of them with us? Yes. So just for example, um, I'll just start with one incident. Um, in 2014, the homosexual lobby in the state of Montana had gotten tired of trying to bring the issue of non-discrimination before the state legislature. They tried it a number of times and failed. And so they said on, on their website, they said, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to try and go for the municipalities. Okay. And so uh, they brought it, it and it, it passed in Missoula, in Butte, in Bozeman, in Helena, Great Falls, but it came to Billings, and I worked with a, a group of uh, concerned Christians, not all Lutherans by any means. And it was a year-and-a-half-long battle. We would go down to the city council time and time again to testify, and uh, it did not pass in Billings. Wow. So it was one of those, uh, it was kind of a seminal effort to say uh, nobody's in favor of discrimination, and that was one of the big things. We were called haters and yelled at and so on, but um, my testimony, or at least one of the times I remember saying, well, this is not about hate. This is truly about love. If you see someone who's doing something that's not healthy, then the loving thing to do is to speak to them. And uh, so th- this is the most loving thing to do. So uh, that's one of the lessons is, you know, to be able to frame the message in a, in a reasonable way uh, so that people can hear what you're saying as opposed to uh, pushing you into a little box that, um, that they, where they think you fit. Um, sure. As for another example, just last on Tuesday of this week, so a couple of days ago, I was in Helena uh, to testify on a personhood amendment to the Montana Constitution, and I took the opportunity to take the executive director of the ACLU to the side and and spoke to her. I and I did it intentionally. I was serious and I was sincere. I complimented her because I felt that she had been respectful toward those who are the other side. And I said, even though we're obviously diametrically opposed in our understanding of the issue of life, I thank you for being respectful. Mm-hmm. And I did a number of things. So, uh, you know, what it did is it now makes it impossible for her to put me in the box of an irrational enemy. Right. Because... She now knows that I'm a human being. Um, and you're not a jerk. Who, 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 will, who is willing to speak to her. Sure. So uh, those kinds of things are important. Yeah. Um, let me just mention a couple other things I think are important. If, if some of your listeners, and I think uh, uh, I have found um, a number of college students here in, in Montana who are willing to do such a thing. Absolutely. If they are willing to step out and speak to uh, to legislatures, city councils, uh, county commissioners, or simply write letters to the editor. Uh, a couple of things that I've learned. One is to avoid, uh, one, I would say, avoid the warfare scenario. Um, hmm. Quite often we'll frame the, uh, we'll use the frame of reference as warfare, fighting for freedom, battling for freedom, defending freedom. 
And if we think that way, it surely will impact our message. It makes us more battle-oriented, as if we need to defeat the enemy, as opposed to simply making our point. So I encourage a less strident message, uh, a less contentious framework, so that those who are on the other side can maybe not see you so much as an enemy, but hear your words. And in so doing, you might gain a slight advantage. But that leads to another something to think about, and that is identifying the true enemy. Because if we make people our enemy, then it's not too big of a step to try to hurt someone by our words or our actions. The true enemy, of course, is Satan himself. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against rulers and authorities and powers of this present darkness, spiritual forces in the heavenly places, and so on. So um, when I testified uh, before the Billings City Council and there were catcalls of haters, uh, I wanted to move my mind away from them being the enemy to them being people who needed to hear the message that that I wanted to give. You know, um, Terry, it's kind of interesting. On college campuses today, I always tell people that nobody debates ideas as much anymore. I mean, they're not used to this. What they do is instead of debating ideas and directly talking to one another, it's all about who can emote more fiercely their thinking compared to the other guy. And so everybody immediately gets into this emotive, subjective argument and yelling slogans. And, and there's really kind of an opening for us as, as Christians, it seems to me, and I think you're demonstrating that, um, that we can kind of break down those barriers and show that, that that's not who we are and to set people at ease that we're, we're looking to have a reasonable, um, substantive, yes, debate, but we're not looking to... Uh, to target people, but but really the ideas behind these things. Exactly, and, and I would say, uh, in my experience, is was you, what you're mentioning on the, the campus. It's the same is true uh, across the board in the venues where I speak. Uh, it's sometimes a little bit mind-boggling and frustrating that you don't hear a more substantive debate. People just want to talk about their anecdotal little stories or their feelings their little and chants. It, that they make up to right. protest and they just want to yell it and try to blah. It's, it's like putting your hand right. over your head. Blah, blah, blah. I can't hear you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that all goes with, that all goes with it. And so you, you kind of have to, uh, that, that goes with the territory. You have to be sure. prepared for those sorts of things. Um, let me just mention a couple other ones that I think Please. are important, might be helpful. Yeah. Um, I, I, I list, don't, don't expect results. I think, so I've been involved with Lutherans for Life my whole active ministry, so about 34 years now. And uh, sometimes it gets, I suppose you might say, a little bit wearying because you, you naturally set goals. You want to see what those goals might be and, and attain them. But I kind of trained myself to say, I, God calls me to be faithful. The results are his purview, not mine. So I simply speak what I know to be right according to the Word of God and, and allow God to accomplish that, sure. what He will. And, uh, you know, sometimes it goes the way you want it to go, and sometimes it, it doesn't go the way you want sure. it to go, but 
Do you think that's why people oftentimes, and we as Lutherans, sometimes we've been over the years maybe averse to getting too, to step out into the public square because, yeah, it doesn't seem what's it going to end up helping anyways. You know, Absolutely. Kind of, because we're I focusing on the results that. rather than on what we can control, which <clears throat> is being faithful. And in today's political climate, it's even more so because of the partisan nature of what of so much of what goes on i hear people say you know just throw up their hands what's the use it doesn't it's not going to make any difference they're not going to accomplish anything um but we have seen some really wonderful things happen in this session of the legislature in montana um so whereas i counsel don't expect results sometimes god gives you the gift and you get to see something happen and that's a wonderful thing that's awesome Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we got about eight minutes left, so let's try to get as many of these other little lessons that you have that you'd like to share. Sure. I, I want to talk about strategy because, whereas I say, uh, you know, you can't depend on results, it does make a big difference to figure out the strategy that you're going to use to present your case. Um, and so I say a, a number of things. It's okay to simply speak from reason. So if, uh, for example, my presentation on the non-discriminate, or excuse me, my presentation on this last Tuesday on the personhood amendment, I, I didn't quote a single scripture. I simply reasoned from, actually from Thomas Jefferson's introduction to the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> that life was the compelling interest. That's one of the reasons that governments have been instituted. Sure. Um, so... It's okay to simply speak from reason, and I kind of just kind of vary it. It's also okay for to speak from Scripture. So I was before the Billings City Council, and I quoted the Scriptures and said, "This is my core belief, and this is what I'm trying to accomplish." But you kind of so, don't you kind of disarm um, any potential objections first if you kind of lead with reason and demonstrate that. You know, I often think of. Um, um, Paul in Acts 17, you know, the whole famous Mars Hill thing, he shows up um, and actually quotes their own, um, when he's making a presentation, even is quoting their own poets and this, that, and the other thing, um, before he then gets to the opportunity to present to present the Perfect gospel. example. Yeah. And the perfect example, not that I had that in mind, but that's actually just what I just did by quoting Thomas Jefferson. Sure. And then... And then they, there was no way for them to go from there except for, yeah, that's what well, it says. Some people will sit there and think, okay, you know, yeah, here's, here's, here's a, okay, this guy's a president of some church body or something. He's going to throw scripture at us all over the place and quote the Bible. Right. And not that you don't want those opportunities, but sometimes we need to demonstrate that we can we can think and reason in that natural realm um, as well. And so, anyways, that's a great tip. Yeah, so uh, a couple of weeks ago I was up and, and spoke on a bill uh, to um, outlaw physician-assisted suicide in Montana. And I said, um, I want to speak to you about three things, three venues today, the logical, the psychological, and the theological. So I sort of blended it together there. Um, those things are all reasonable strategies. So I, I think um, I just want to mention with regard to strategy um, for example, in Montana and across the nation, there's a considerable debate whether or not a personhood amendment on the state level or the national level is a good idea. There are some who say, no, we shouldn't push for that because if it goes to the Supreme Court, 
uh, with this, right. with the court in, that is seated now, we would lose. Right. And uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum are the what we call the incrementalists, those who chip away. Well, okay. those are two strategies. My my take is use every strategy possible and see how the Lord is going to turn it out. But don't. Um, sometimes we there is right now, unfortunately, people who. Uh, even in the life world, who kind of work against each other because they think they're using the wrong strategies. So all this takes great wisdom. It takes some work um, to try and figure this out. But uh, let me go on to one more that I think is really important, and oh, that please. is to read to read and listen to the opposition. Hmm. Because if you don't spend some time in, in investing in how the opposition is arguing you won't be able to marshal your best argument against it. So you'll, you'll leave your testimony or your letter with answers un, uh, with questions unanswered. So it's really important to, to listen carefully, not, and not just to argue, but to, to listen carefully to what the other side is saying. It's, that's, that's so important. Yeah, because usually what um, happens is people show up and, okay, I'm going to get my point across. I got my whatever amount of time. And right, uh, they don't right. address anything that anybody else has said, but but they got their two minutes in. And you're saying right. couch it in the terms of what you've heard and demonstrate that you are willing to listen to them because you can't really expect people to want to listen to you if you won't listen to them too. Right, exactly. And I think it comes across. Now, of course, there will be plenty of red herrings along the way. And you have to be prepared for that. If you talk about abortion or euthanasia, your opponent will want to talk about the death penalty. If you talk about marriage, your opponent will want to talk about love. If you talk about religious freedom, they'll want to talk about discrimination. Those you kind of have to get that in your head uh-huh. so you know what's coming and you're and you're ready to you're ready to answer it. Sure. So um, I don't know where we're at on time. But, yeah, we got um, like about three minutes here. So if there's any other. Any other wisdom? This is great stuff. Um, well, I think a really another really important one that I wanted to get in before we go, and that is, is every Christian um, gifted to speak in the public arena? And my answer would be, of course not. God gifts his people in a variety of ways. And so it's, it's um, detrimental to life in the church, to the life of faith, if we expect or everyone to be involved to the degree that I perhaps am involved, um, if we we make them out to be less of a Christian if they're not showing up to speak at the legislature or the city council or the county commissioners or whatever, um, the the point is that God will use each Christian within their vocation to accomplish what He has placed them there to accomplish, and that's that's a really important so that. Uh, we don't fritter away the vocations that God has given by trying to squeeze all Christians into the same box, expecting everyone to be in the same level of, of uh, defense with respect to the speaking and living the faith in the public square. Wow. Very well put. Um, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm very grateful. I've, I've, my whole life, my whole professional ministry, I, I, other than when I was in Montana, really, I've done nothing but work with college students, and they are willing to speak. And not all of them, it's, it's not all their thing, and that's okay. 
Uh, but what kind of a comfort can, uh, maybe it ties back to our, our discussion last week, but as we kind of wrap this up, we just got about a minute or so. What kind of thoughts as a pastor can you give people of uh, uh, some other things to keep in mind um, of taking with them as a source of strength and comfort when they go into a situation when they have the opportunity to speak? Right. Well, we have a number of them. One we talked about last time together, and that's the power of the name of Jesus. And we also have the promise that we don't have to worry about what to speak when we, when we are called before kings and, and governors, because the Holy Spirit will grant us those words. Now, that may be more directly related to a proclamation of the gospel, but still, right. we have confidence that though we may not be eloquent, though we may not be wise, God is. His wisdom and His eloquence is ours, because He gives good gifts to His people. And ultimately, all of the—when I I talk about speaking in the public square, it comes down to this. It's all about order. Whether the order is in the estate of the family or the government or the church, all order serves the proclamation of the gospel. And so speaking in the public square is about assisting the state to create the kind of order that allows the gospel to be proclaimed. So when I speak in the public square, I believe that God is at work. Even if I goof up, God is at work because all order is established by God so that the good news of Jesus Christ can be heard. That is... uh... Well, that's all we have time for. The mustache is needed now more than ever. Had to get that PSA in. Remember, college students, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. LCMSU.org.